everyone. Welcome back to the Simon and Ross podcast. I am joined, Hello. as always, by my colleague Simon. Hello. Where we are going to continue discussing what our top 10 albums are. So enjoy the show. And as always, if you've got any feedback or comments, you can visit our Facebook page um, at the Simon and Ross podcast. Enjoy. Yeah, um, we we're, 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 we're breached, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see the crown. We're in the um, we're in we're in the big leagues now. Yeah. So, my number four, right? Released twenty third of October, nineteen ninety five. It's this artist's seventh studio album. Did if you notice, but none of the albums that we've chosen, I think, are the artist's first album. No, that's true. Um, a lot of them, are, a lot of them have been quite far down the catalogue, haven't they? But yeah, yeah. It's, it's a seventh studio album. It features features the London Community Gospel Choir on it. It came off the back of four consecutive number one albums. Its experimental nature <laughs> made it miss the top ten. Um, it's a favourite among the fans. Part of the problem that they had with it is they, 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 instead of doing three minute pop songs, as we've already discussed, they wanted to do longer, more exper experimental tracks. One of the tracks is something like 11 minutes long, uh, and the average is probably about six or seven minutes per song. It was released on Mute Records, features uh, in the band is Vince Clark of Depeche Mode and Yazoo. Right. That's your lot. <laughs> ah, so see, I was, I, was gonna, I was thinking Pet Shop Boys. No. Nope. Um, but then when you said featuring in the band. Yeah. So, hmm. I mean, I don't know it off that. Th this won't help, but it, it kind of marked the, the downturn in their popularity. I had a number one album with the last album. I think they weren't happy with because it, it was maybe too poppy. Um, so they, they wanted to step away from it. And they, um, Vince Clark, made a recording studio in his house that was like a dome um, we saw about two years ago you could buy his house <laughs> and I was just like I want to buy it and even Charlotte was like if we had the money I'd let you buy it um, so I think the because it he said, was did he, say, did he say if we had the money I wouldn't fucking ask for your permission <laughs> I'd have already bought it um, yeah it was because it, like I say the experimental kind of nature of it it wasn't hit singles didn't sort of come and like they've never really recovered since which is a bit of a shame yeah so, so <laughs> when, when was when was the last album released their last album yeah two years ago they're, they're still around still around. Mm. any tracks any any track names you can give me as a clue wouldn't help you no <laughs> <laughs> um, and singles off them were fingers and thumbs uh stay with me and rock me gently that didn't help me <laughs> <laughs> it's um is it eponymous when it's named the album's named after the type the, the artist what is that what eponymous means um what what, what 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 with an album named after the artist yeah yeah i don't know is that what is it eponymous i've never even heard of the word eponymous i think it is okay rem's first album was called eponymous but it was actually called eponymous i think that's what it means what? Do you mean? Do you mean an album name? Do you mean a self-titled? Do you mean an album that's just the band's name? Yeah, or... yeah, yeah, yeah. All oh, right. So it's just another word for self-titled. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, 
eponymous, uh, either an item which provides a name, source, or an idea of which acts as a name receipt. Self-titled. Uh, <laughs> right, GL. No, I don't know, I don't know. I'll put you out of your misery. Erasure. Oh, Erasure, okay. Yeah. Erasure, Erasure. I, th I think I've, I've more or less gone through what, all the reasons <laughs> I like it, but it, it's, it's essentially, it is a double album when it's on vinyl. Um, and obviously it fills it. Um, like I say, it's, it, it's a shame because it is, it's an amazing album. To the casual listener, it, it, was, it could potentially just be a lot of blinky and blocky, blobby noises for 40 minutes. And I think it is, it, it, Andy Bell singing on that has never been better. I think he's amazing on that. Um, but it, it's a shame because it's my favourite one of theirs, but it kind of marks them not being that popular anymore. Mm, and they're uh, still doing it. They're still around, are they? Still are. Still are. Yeah. I mean, they're, and they're it's a new stuff shit, so. <laughs> the, the problem that they've got now is that uh, I think Vince lives in Amsterdam. No, one of them lives in Germany, I think, and one of them lives in Amsterdam. So a lot of their stuff, that they're, they're not together very much. Mm. You know, a bit like this. <laughs> they're doing everything over, over Skype or whatever. So I, I, you can sometimes tell that. You can tell that the music has been done separately and the, the vocals have been done separately. I think this is one of the last ones that they did a lot of it together. Again, I might be making that up, but I think they did it in his studio. Um, and sometimes it works. They did an album in 2009 uh, called Tomorrow's World, and that was properly recorded separately. They didn't meet at all, uh, or very little, um, but they had a producer that went and worked with both of them. And sometimes, sometimes I think they forget how they're meant to sound, if that makes sense. Okay, or well, they lost their identity. Uh, some, sometimes, and especially if I'm, I'm guessing he's just there plinking and plonking away on his keyboard on his own, and never, yeah. never gets to, to meet the, the yeah. singer. Yeah. Um, there, there are some songs on the newer albums where you kind of think, well, the, the, the music, the, the melody of the, the vocals doesn't seem to go with the music very well. Yeah, yeah, and the thing is, that's the sort of you would expect that, really, wouldn't you? Because um, you, you sort of how much of the artistic process can you strip back um, without it actually impacting the end product? And uh, yeah, I think if you're doing it that way, if one person is recording something and sending a sample over, yeah. it, then yeah. But, it, but it's ha but a lot of the time it works for them. It's just sometimes you just kind of think mm, that just that doesn't work. But on that album, I, I think every song is perfect. It is a long album. It's about fifty minutes long, I think, altogether. And you do forget how long the tracks are. You know, the, uh, say "Rock Me Gently" is I think it's ten minutes fifty seconds, something like that. And when it finishes, you you've not noticed. But it didn't have the top three early nineties pop hits on it. And uh, what were some of their hits? Oh, uh, a little respect. Yeah. Um, which I know because of Weezer. Um, it wasn't Weezer; it was Weezer. Yeah, Weezer, that's it. Um, <laughs> oh, sometimes uh, I can't think of any. <laughs> Anyhow, we know normal, but you will know them. You will yeah. know them. But um, yeah, um, I've got an Erasure album in, in me uh, in my car. Actually, I, I, I don't actually know. It was a copy that somebody had done for me years ago, and you know, it just went into the wallet. Yeah. Um, CD wallet. I don't carry it around in my bank cards. Um, <laughs> and uh, it'd be edgy if I did. Um, and, and and I don't actually know that. I know it's. It, I don't think it's that album. I think they've just written erasure on it. But I'll have to have a listen and tell you what the tracks sound like. And or, tell or, which album it, or he just wrote on it to, so he could wipe it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man number four.
All right, so now we're on to my number four then. I'm not convinced you're going to be able to guess this, but we'll give it a go. Tool. What did you say? Tool. Tool? No, no. no. Um, so, so it was the it was the sixth studio album um, by this band, often described as being. Can it was released, please. Uh, yeah, it was released in uh, June the seventeenth, two thousand three. Right. Okay. And it was the final studio album um, released through Roadrunner Records. It's got a couple of, well, one in particular well-known single called I Don't Wanna Be Me. Is it NSYNC? No. All right. Um, they had one of the songs um, is a cover of the, uh, do you remember the Monsters? Yeah. Yeah, they, they covered, the, they defected in the theme tune from the Monsters. No, that's bowling for soup. That's not, that's not right, is it? I mean, any sort of right area? No, no what, bowling for soup? <laughs> uh, no, let me give you a little bit of background on the band. Right, okay. Um, so um, the, the frontman is a bit of a, an icon, um, right. both musically and sexually. Um, he is very, um, I mean, you'd spot him in a crowd a mile off. So the guy I mean, from Lost Prophets again? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> You're very dark this afternoon, Simon. <laughs> neck oil. <all> you... <laughs> this is what neck oil does to you, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's turned me south again, Charlotte. <laughs> he had a small kind of neck oil. Every time he has neck oil, all he ever talks about is crimes against kids. You wait until I tell you that Rolf Harris is my number three. <laughs> and you don't say a single thing about his crime <laughs> um, so the, the frontman actually died um, tragically really um, because he was he had a sort of lifelong battle um, with drugs and alcohol and it was actually his first year of complete sobriety um, and, and he died of heart failure um, in 2010 He's also in, and he's also in two. He was also in two other groups, two other bands called um, um, Fallout, and uh, another band called Carnivore, which were like a thrash punk band. Right. Okay. I, I don't. Um, he I has. Don't <laughs> he, he went. He went by a few nicknames. Right. Um, he was known as the Green Man. He was known as the Jolly Green Giant. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, think, I guess you could call them gothic metal, but I, 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 again, I don't agree with that term. Um, right. That's what that's what category. If you were to search for them, that's where you would find them. But there's actually, and again, the album that I've chosen to be in to be number four is where you know. I mean, it's a, a seventh album. Yeah, yeah. And by that point, um, they'd actually started doing a lot more lighter type stuff. Right. It was still really rocky. But it was that you, there's some stuff by this band that you would really enjoy because a lot of it is very heavily synth. It needs a lot of synth. Right. Okay. No, go on. Tell me. The frontman is called Peter Steele. No, go on. Tell me. Uh, it's type one negative. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 And uh, the album is Life Is Killing Me. Right. Um, and th this, this again, I, I found type one. This is a weird one, really, because I remember when I was in college, a good friend of mine loved Typo Negative, and he always used to play them. And I could not stand them. 
And um, and he used he used to play these like two or three songs because you know he was he was the guy that always showed up with his Bluetooth speaker yeah. and uh, <laughs> and we'd, we'd we'd skive off college and and get very high there far too often. Um, <laughs> Uh, and and he was always he was he was a music man. He'd always provide the the Bluetooth, but but we'd always end up listening to his playlists. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there was there was two or three type that, that, used, that used to be me as well. <laughs> <laughs> I can believe I brought, that. I brought this tape to this party. I'm going to listen to it, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminds me when I went to that uh, house party when I when I was living in America, and um, I'd uh, seized the um, laptop. Uh, that was uh, plugged into the speakers and uh, uh, put on big time by Peter Gabriel and left it on repeat to see how long. <laughs> and it played for about 90 minutes on repeat. <laughs> Nobody had any idea. There was one other guy who was a big Peter Gabriel fan, uh, one of the other exchange students, and he, and he was in on it with me. And every now and again, we'd just look at each other across the room and it was like... It's on again. It's on still again. playing. It's literally on repeat. <laughs> we, we did that at work. Do you remember um, Enigma, Age of Innocence? Yeah, I've got that album, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, We did that at work. We had a guy who, um, who hated that song. Absolutely hated it. Whenever he'd come into the office, because that's where the radio was on, he'd just switch it off. So I did a tape, recorded it off the radio, Every time it came on, and I just recorded a whole like half of one tape of just that, and I just kept playing it. <laughs> just kept playing it. I, think, I think the longest we had it on for was about twenty minutes before he twigged. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's good when someone hates a song and you <laughs> <laughs> drill it down the throats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, this, this is a long album as well. There's 15, 15 tracks on there, and they also released a they released a bonus CD with it called "The Least Worst of Typo Negative." Right. Um, and and there's there's some. They, they, oh, I'll tell you a song that you might have heard. They did a, they did a really um, they did a really good cover of um, "Cinnamon Girl" Neil Young. They covered Neil Young's "Cinnamon Girl" and released it. That was very popular. But they've just, I mean, I'm just looking through the track list and it's a shame really, because none of it will mean much to you. <laughs> but but they've, they, Peter Steele was, uh, I think he was a bit of a comedian as well and his lyrics were always so funny. And some of the, some of the stuff that he, he, he said, it was either ed, a really edgy, he was a sarcastic bastard and he was very sort of anti-religion and anti-establishment and, and he, he, would, he would come out with things that were... Um, you know, at the beginning of Angry Itch, for example, Angry Itch is, is song number 12 on there. And um, he talks about um, uh, going in for an operation to become a woman. Right. And he, he, at the start of the song, he's like singing about waking up and looking down and, and he says that there's just this tiny little gash between my legs. And uh, and it's really itchy, and it's an angry itch. And uh, and and then and then and then he says, I, I got home, I got home, and I started bleeding. And he says, uh, it's my first day, it's me, it's my first day as being a woman, and it's already that time of the month. <laughs> and is uh, <laughs> is uh, is really really good. He actually went to prison as well. He was he was known. Um, he was in play. Not, not another kid in that no, 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 no. He, he was in. He was in Playboy magazine. Um, Peter Steele is basically, if if you can Google Google Peter Steele, yeah. Um, is is he, he was about seven foot something, right. long jet black hair, jacked, <laughs> absolutely jacked. It's Steele spelt E double E L E. Um, right. Okay. 
and uh, yeah, he was like, he was a bit of a sex symbol. Um, he went on the Jerry Springer show and got off with this random fan live on air. Um, and he was, uh, he went to prison for actually, um, he was in a, he was in a bar and somebody, um, this, this, this bloke came in and actually grabbed, um, his girlfriend's ass. So, so Peter Steele went home and got a hammer and came back and nearly bloody killed this guy with a hammer. It looks like a reject from like a Walking Dead audition, you know, for the, ne- for the next bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> or the the bad guy's henchman. <laughs> he is he is a henchman. The henchman, yeah, yeah. So, but but he's 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 really uh, he, he he said some really funny things um, on Jerry Springer, and Jerry Springer was obviously you know he's about as bloody clean cut as it gets. Yeah, 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 any Jerry Springer, yeah. and um, and he was asking him about his image and about his look and about his philosophy and his outlook on life, and he was saying to him, you know, you don't. He was, he was trying to bait Peter Steele into. And Peter Steele was having none of it. And some of his responses was really memorable. And he said, he said, what is it actually, you know, you don't seem to smile as much. Like, um, what, what, what is it that puts you in a good mood? And he was like, he was like I'm never in a good mood. I'm, I'm only ever less miserable. And then he says, uh, <laughs> he, he says, there must be something. There must be something that you're looking forward to. There must be something that makes you happy. And he's, Peter Steele sounded like this. This was his voice. Right. Peter Steele's very deep voice. And he said, there must be something that you look forward to. Barrow as well. <laughs> and he says, he says, I am happy uh, because I know that one day I will die. <laughs> um, but he was actually a re- he was he was a really really funny guy. So so I mean that that album, um, you know, just going back a bit, I, I never used to like them because I only heard two or three songs by mm. them. Um, and then there was one song that I did like, and it's a song that they also released off a separate album called Bloody Kisses. And it was called Christian Woman, and it was it was quite a slow, very. Uh, there's a lot of big synth in there, and um, there's, a, there's a there's a there's a breakdown in the song where he starts singing "Jesus Christ looks like me," and it's like um, he's, he's he's got his hand behind his head with his shirt off in the video, like hip thrusting, so almost like lap dancing with his big crucifix <laughs> behind him, and he's going "Jesus Christ looks like me, Jesus Christ, yeah." <laughs> And, uh, Sounds amazing! Can't wait to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of albums by Typo Negative that I could put on. I did, I did struggle a little bit actually over finding the one that I would choose. But Life, I think I, I, knew, I knew and liked all of the older albums. Then I listened to Life Is Killing Me, completely fell in love with it, saw the band in a different light, then went back and found a whole new appreciation for all of the older albums. I think you'll like, I think Nettie, how could she, that there's a lot in there that feeds yeah, yeah. into your, your tastes. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, And when you talk, I mean, the, you, they could go into 1980s romance, like sort of electronic yeah. romance in a lot of the stuff. It's just with a gothic overtone. Um, so, or undertone, whatever. But, um, so are they like, I remember... I remember in the 90s, there were some people, it was just, look, go listen to Typo Neg. And, <laughs> and it's just like, oh, and I think they were talked about so much that I just stayed away from them. And obviously, I'm, I'm guessing they're not, certainly at that point, weren't my sort of thing anyway. Um, no, well, the stuff that they would have been knocking out at that time would have probably been a bit heavy for you. Yeah, probably. So is there anything else that they're, they're a kind of a bit like? 
Well, they take a lot of their inspiration from Black Sabbath, and they they, they, they cover. I mean, they, 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 they not not helping the cause there. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are they they they, they are. Uh, if you imagine, like, um, they are heavy, but it's not fast heavy. Right. Okay. They're not. They're not a fast band by any means. It's not like really fast drums, really constantly chugging riffs. There's a lot more to them than there's. There's honestly, there's nobody like Typo Negative. Right. There's no other band that I've listened to off the back of Typo Negative. Like they're completely standalone, and um, and each album's totally different and totally unique as well. A few, a few other sort of noteworthy albums. Bloody Kisses is an early one that's really good. Um, World Coming Down is another one that's really, really good. Um, the last one they did, um, let me just make sure I get this right. Yeah, the, 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 the last album they did was one called Dead Again. And it had a, a picture of um, the, the, the album cover. You might, you, might, you might be familiar. It was released in 2007 and the album cover was actually a picture of Rasputin. But that was the last album. That was the last album they did, um, and and that was, yeah, that was. I, I absolutely loved. It. I think I prefer the lighter stuff to the earlier, heavier stuff. Right. Okay. Because um, they just transformed. They were just there was just so much more feeling and emotion in the songs. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's that's my number four. Right. So we're into the top three. So only six more albums to go. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. Now I'm going to be honest. This is where I messed around with my top five. My original top five, my, my fifth was going to be OK Computer. Radiohead. Uh, Radiohead. And, the, uh, and it is an amazing album. I don't want to say life-changing. That's building up too much. But yeah, it was for, a, such, for, for a while, it was all I listened to. But I've also realised I've probably not listened to it properly for 20 years. So I had to get rid of it. And, yeah. um, and I was disappointed that I'd not even put this artist in my top 10. So I had to, I had to find a way for it, for it to get in. Um, so this, this came in at three. This came, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, 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 and it's tricky. I, I did, I, did um, I, I was conflicted. But yeah, it's, it's bloody hard. Yeah, I hated it, and I was so disappointed in myself that I'd not put them in. Mm, I felt I, like that about Liam is. Yeah, I, I had to. I had to do something about it. So I got rid of OK Computer, and everything kind of shifted uh, to this point. And that's um, why Shania Twain is in your top three. <laughs> I feel like a woman. Um, so yeah, this was released seventeenth of August, nineteen eighty-seven. Um, which is two weeks away from my number two. Um, it's a best of collection. Oh fuck! Are we agree? We said no, we weren't going to do that. But it doesn't count. It doesn't really count as well, um, because these tracks weren't available on albums. Um, and well, the, also- best, the best of collection was something they never released. <laughs> well, they have eventually. But, um, First track was a record, a re-recording of their previous band's last song that was never recorded. Um, sales of this album in the UK got to number three. It sold three hundred thousand. Uh, in the US, got to number thirty-six, but sold a million. It's a double album. One half, one half is the singles up to that point, and the other half is B-sides on the other. It contains. The biggest selling 12 inch of all time. I watched them go on, yeah. 
I was going really... to I was going to crack a joke then about when I was hooking. But, uh... <laughs> um, released through Factory Records in Manchester. I'll go into the, I'll go into my next bit after. But uh, any ideas? No, I haven't got a clue at the minute. No, you've no idea what the best-selling twelve-inch single is of all time. <laughs> I feel like you're shining a light in my eyes and interrogating <laughs> me. You've got no idea what the best twelve-inch single is <laughs> of all time. Of all time. It was helped because it was only released on 12-inch. It was There wasn't a 7-inch officially uh, released. Um, um, but it's a band. It's not, a, it's not a solo artist. It's a band. Could it be? <laughs> no. See, I was thinking, again, I was thinking, like, Blue Monday, New Order. Oh, and, 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 and the album is best. <laughs> the best, the best, best of New Order. <laughs> no, it's called, it's called New Order. Oh, Substance. Substance. Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. yeah. Now, Substance, like I say... I, I can get a point for that, right? Yeah, definitely. Um... <laughs> I sort of don't class it as a, as a greatest hits collection because, like I say, most of these tracks aren't available on albums anyway. New Order did a weird thing. It's for, this was the first album I, I bought of New Order. I bought it in Edinburgh. We'd gone to Edinburgh to see some family and I wandered into HMV and it had literally just come out that week and um, it was plastered everywhere. And Neil Tennant off of the Pet Shop Boys, said that they were his favourite band. And he also said that the single True Faith that was the single that was released for this album was the greatest song of the 80s or something like that. So I bought it. I think we were there a week and I must have listened to it 300 times all the way through. So, so it wasn't, so it was mediocre at best. <laughs> um, and it's, it is a collection of their 12-inch singles. You all release singles, but then released an album and the singles weren't on the albums. Right, okay. Yeah, so they never actually done an album with all the singles on it. Well, they have now, but it, you yeah. know, it, it's, it, it's, but at that point, like I say, and even the ones that were, were very, very different to the ones that were on the, the ones that were on the album. Um, Blue Monday, I, I always skip. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know why. Um, better of a play, maybe, but the, the first few they redid, um, I say, a ceremony, was the last song that was either written or performed by Joy Division, but they never got a chance to record it. So they recorded it and they, they basically had a tape of a demo and they tried to work out the words that Ian Curtis was singing because he was, couldn't very hard, even the, the best Joy Division songs, you can't always work out what he's singing. Yeah. It's just... So they kind of had to, even though it was no, Joy that's, Division... That's Tom Waits. That's Tom Waits again. <laughs> Oh, does it feel? He's an absolute classic. They, they did do a version of that of Joy Division as well. Um, they did Joy Division Substance '88, I think it was. But it is an amazing collection of songs, um, and it, it tends to be the one I default to. Um, New Order, as much as I love them, the albums can be a bit hit and miss. Um, certainly in the early days. So where, where do you stand on? Because um, what one New Order album that I always really really liked was. Um, I think this is the right name. I think it was called Get Ready. Yeah, well, that, that was, that's kind of, that's late period. Well, it's released almost 20 years ago now, but it, it's late period. Um, I, I think Get Ready is okay. I think there's some absolutely classic New Order songs on that. What's the song that's, um, what's the song that's, that's like, um, 
what does it go like? It's the, I'm trying to think of the, the hook. It's like, um, I think it goes, it goes, we're having the time of our lives. We're lost in a cool paradise. Yeah, having the time of our lives. Someone like you. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I just. I, I thought. I just remember that song from that album, yeah. and actually, I really enjoyed the album. But that's the song I when I always think of New Order. Yeah. Um, I think of that song. Yeah, that's a great that, song. Two thousand one, that's released. So that's nineteen years ago. Um, but yeah, that, well, the, the the last album before that was ninety three with Republic, uh, and they all sort of fell out as they did, and um, then didn't get back to two thousand one, and Get Ready was was unexpected i don't think anyone ever expected it to happen um it's a few misses on there but i think generally it, it's quite a solid album and the, the album after that waiting for the sirens call was released quite similar it's about two or three years in between which for new order it is is quick <laughs> the, the, their average is probably about seven years between albums if you, if you mm. take, take the whole i mean they've still only done nine albums um bearing in mind they started in <laughs> 81 or something like that but that, that was part of it as well with, with substance that they did put a lot of effort into singles and it wasn't really until about 80s really after substance came out they started using songs from the albums the, the album after substance technique almost went in um and that that, that could quite easily if you ask me tomorrow i could substitute technique for this at a, moment, at a moment's notice because it is amazing but I've probably listened to that more, and this is what got me them into them in the first place. Right. Uh, yeah. So I think it justifies it. So I, 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 I wouldn't class it as a compilation as such, even though it sort of is. Um, it definitely is. I no, it's not. Um, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm tempted to disallow it, <laughs> quite frankly. Well, I'm going to remove all of your changes, so you know you're going to, you're going to have a top six. Um, <laughs> I've got it. It's one of the, one of the finds that I'm so happy about is, is I've got it again on, on vinyl. And it's the same album, that's the official one, that uh, it's different cover and everything like that. Uh, and it's a gatefold sleeve and everything like that. This was issued to Factory Record employees. Oh, um, right. So it wasn't available in the shops. Um, and on the corner, it says, um, not for resale unless desperate. <laughs> so obviously uh, someone was desperate someone was desperate whoever got copy 784 got desperate uh, and I got it uh, I wonder what the value was when uh, it went when it originally don't know no idea Not, I, I don't want to know what it's worth because I want yeah I had it on cassette so I had it on double cassette um, yeah and, and the thing is that the best versions of all of their songs at that time are on this album yeah so if, if you do I think it's it's so much more than just a, a best of. It, it's it's their best of. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were gonna fucking say that. <laughs> uh, I can never, I can never quite be genuine, can I? <laughs> that's, I guess, that's an that's an track. <laughs> so I get so close. I get so close to being genuine and earnest and honest, and then I fuck it up right at the last minute. <laughs> When he said it's not, when he said it's not just the best of, I like, he's trapping himself in here. There's only one place he can go with this. It's not the best of, it's the greatest of. Okay, so that was episode six. That was fun, wasn't it, Ross?
It was just as much fun as always. Uh, uh, so yeah, so in that one we discussed erasure, erasure, and what was your six again? No, what was your three again? Um, my number six was the Simon and Garfunkel, Parsley Sears, oh, Rosemary and Time. Three, three. Oh, number three, sorry. It was Graceland, Paul Simon. Yes, of course it was. How could I forget? It's just happened. I think that'll be a lot of people's, I think that'll be a lot of people's top ten. And if it's not, it should be. <laughs> as well as erasure. Knockout Spice World. <laughs> so uh, uh, if anyone needs to get in contact with us, we've got the Simon and Ross podcast Facebook page. And also you can still email us the old-fashioned way on simonandross at yahoo.co.uk. Do we have a fax address? <laughs> <laughs> I could uh, dish out my pager number if you want. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Oh, there's, there's someone's top ten. <laughs> need to get to a payphone uh, right so yes thank you for listening and we'll see you next time for episode 7 bye, bye.